From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in Lonely at the Top, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy. I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Franny Eskenazi, CEO of Future Club, to discuss leadership in game dev. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Franny, hi! I'm yeah. so glad that we finally have somebody from Future Club, aside from myself, on the epi- on, a, on an episode. This is so exciting. Right, because all this time we've been like, Stephen, do you really have a job? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to need to see some evidence. I need some corroborating witnesses. Randy, let him know I do a good job. <laughs> he's, he's working. He's making games for real. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I, I appreciate you inviting me over. Yeah, of course. We've talked on the show before about uh, co-ops, which is what Future Club is. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about managing a team, starting a project, being a creative lead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we've never really spoken to someone in charge. Yeah. uh, And all the sort of, you know, what real leadership in this industry is. It's still kind of a mystery to a lot of us and to a lot of our listeners, I think. So we're thrilled to have you on. And I really expect, uh, not to put any pressure on you, but (laughs) I think we're going to break some new ground for the show. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm glad. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, so, Franny, do you want to tell uh, listeners a little bit about yourself uh, before we get started? Sure. Um, so, I am Franny. I'm the CEO at Feature Club. Um, before this, I worked at uh, Lab Zero Games uh, as a CEO and as a producer on a game called Indivisible. Um, and then prior to that, I was at Riot Games for about five years, a little over five years. Um, and so I've always kind of worked in production. Um, I think, you know, Riot was like, uh, prior to Riot, actually, my very, very first games, like real <laughs> industry games job was, a uh, I was the receptionist at uh, a studio called Pandemic Studios. Mm. Um, they made like the original Star Wars Battlefront and Mercenaries, Saboteur. And so that was my first kind of experience with game development. Um, I actually... I actually worked at the GameStop across the street from that studio oh. and had like like a lot of the devs that like worked at Pandemic would come to my store and like buy games. Um, so I kind of knew a lot of people from just like, huh. I was the girl at the video game store. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up getting into games is that they like, their receptionist moved into HR and I became the new receptionist and it worked out because I knew half of the studio already. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I got into production at Riot and really initially wanted to become an animator. I, I studied animation um, and that was, that was something I really like wanted to like be a Pixar animator someday. And, um, and then just sort of like my life just led me into games uh, by accident. And, and I just really realized that I enjoyed uh, the production role, which is very much like a support role hmm. um, and a leadership role. Um, and I think like that actually very much like defines for me, like how I view leadership is that it is a very support role, even though a lot of people see it as like, you're in charge, but it, but really it's like, if you're doing a, a good job, I think, you are there to like listen and help facilitate things so that your team can like do their best work. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, like this sort of idea of like servant leadership is something that I I think is like really really important, and it helps teams more than you know someone who's like I have this great idea. Let me tell you how to do it. Um, so so it's like 
I, I kind of got a lot of my introduction into game development at Riot. And obviously, like, I was there for a period of time where there was a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I was able to see kind of like a, a very wide spectrum of like different types of leaders and different types of teams. And, um, and, you know, I think, I think now, uh, you know, having had the opportunity to work on like a, smaller teams and like a studio with multiple teams and the larger teams, I really actually really enjoy working with, you know, um, smaller core kind of like indie teams. Um, it feels like it's just, there's a little bit more, uh, more, it's it's a little bit easier to kind of like make decisions and 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 like get things done a little, a little bit quicker than once you're like a really large, you know, AAA studio. Right, yeah. Uh, so it's a very long-winded way of saying like I kind of got into games by accident, got into production, and that kind of led me onto the path of like to, towards leadership. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know for me it's like. Uh, it's it's like what I enjoy about working in games is is being able to kind of like um, support my team and um, provide kind of like some structure so that they, that that there can be like all the great ideas can come to come you know to the surface and like we end up with a great product. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my <laughs> sort of overview. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that I I didn't I didn't know that I knew you had worked at GameStop because I remember you bringing that up, but I didn't know that you uh had I didn't realize how much progression that you've had to get to where you are today, and I I also didn't realize that you worked at Riot when it was like starting to really grow and expand to a so that you saw all the different types of leaders and stuff. I'm actually really curious, um how how your opinions on how to lead was morphed and changed due to your work at Riot, seeing all those other leaders uh, succeed yeah. and fail, probably fail a lot. <laughs> I'm a little biased. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think like, honestly, I think it was the first, my first introduction to sort of, um, I think having someone give me more sort of like autonomy mm. over my work, even in the role of, you know, I started as a, I was the, actually the very first like production coordinator who worked at Riot. Um, I was one of the first like women on the dev team and I was <laughs> pregnant as well. So that was like, I was like the first pregnant woman at, at like Riot. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was like around maybe less than a hundred people when I joined um, back in 2010. Hmm. And the game was very much like, I had never heard of it. I had never played League of Legends. I, you know, it was, it was not obviously like what it is now. It was just beginning to kind of get, uh, become like a household name or not even. Um, and so, uh, actually a lot of the people who had, had left Pandemic, um, ended up at Riot. So I already knew a few people who worked there, who I had worked with in the past, who, you know, had, um, had kind of recommended me to be like, Hey, they need help. And like, you're, you're awesome. Cause you, you know, you've been, I didn't really like, uh, I didn't really stay still at pandemic when I was a receptionist. I was always trying to find other things to do and help the teams with. So, um, I think people knew that and they were like, Hey, you know, like they, the, the tech team is kind of underwater and they need support. So, um, so I think that was like my first experience having someone, kind of like go, hey, we don't know 
this isn't like a role that we even know that exists that we can kind of like this role doesn't exist currently we just know we need support we need someone to come in and help the the, the technical directors for each of the different kind of like aspects of the game um and so i reported to like our the vp of like technology and you know he was he was very much like <laughs> uh you know define what this role is and then like improve upon it so I think that idea of like being very driven and like self-directed mm. um, even in a role where typically, you know, um, like there, there were not a lot of like just producers, people were just like, here's the thing we need to do. So I kind of had to find my way um, and find like ways to support the team um, by just like going to me, I'm going to go to this meeting. I'm going to take some notes. Like I would have meetings with the technical directors and be like, what are you struggling with? What can I help with? And I start to just uncover patterns to then provide like ways to solve it problems. Yeah. Um, so I think like that, um, that kind of freedom to, to do that, uh, without necessarily, you know, oh, you report to another associate producer or another producer or something. It was kind of just like, we're trying to make something cool and like we need, you know, we need some support, but go figure out what that looks like. I think that, um, really provided me like, kind of the perspective that I needed to, to thrive at that company. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, because it is so like it, 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 they really did, especially at the point that I was in where it was like still pretty small, you know, a hundred people doesn't sounds big, but it's like for, for, to make a whole league of legends, like game, like it's, it was not very, when I left the company, it was like over 2000 people. Right, so yeah. like it, when I started the art team was, you know, one person per discipline, literally it was like seven people total. And when I left it was nearly 300 people. Wow. So I got to be there to see like that whole art department kind of grow into what it, and then now it's like, you know, even, even more, it's right. been several years. I haven't worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like eight years or so since I left. So it's, it's continued, you know, to develop. And I think even like the games that they make, you know, it's sort of, they're continuously improving, uh, they they had that mindset even with like their their teams and and like you know how they operate it's just like okay we're gonna we're gonna do what we need to do and then like continuously improve um, so I think that really helps me because it it I mean it it was a double edged sword I'll say that because at the same at the same time that there was freedom to like just go like go solve problems and like be useful um, it was also very difficult to like know if I'm doing a good job, right. if there's not like a, or, or like, yeah. what, what is my job description? Am I doing my job? Like, you know, who's like, how do I know if my performance is good? And so th- I think there was like that aspect of it that was challenging. Um, but, but I think like, uh, I did get to sort of, I, I eventually went from the tech team to the art department and, and kind of like, cause they knew I wanted to, you know, eventually get into excuse me, into animation. And, um, and as I started working with the different teams, I kind of realized, you know, production is this really interesting role because you have to know enough about what everyone on the team is doing and contributing. You don't have to be like the expert, but you at least have to know, you kind of have to become like this like sponge that absorbs all this knowledge and be able to facilitate communication between different people on the team. Um, you know, so that when people come to you with like, hey, this thing is blocked, like you can actually 
provide a way to like unblock them or you know create like okay we need to talk to this person oh like oh there's an issue with this i need to talk to this other person in this department so i kind of realized my personality itself is very like i'm very much i'm very extroverted um i'm i'm like you know throw me in a room with a bunch of strangers and i'm like cool i'm just gonna go up to people and say like hi how's it going i'm ready you know like i don't have an issue kind of like just getting to know people that I don't know. And so I think that helps me be able to build relationships with people in that role and then be able to facilitate communication and facilitate like, you know, how do we optimize this thing? This thing is broken. Okay. We need to go talk to like, I think one of the, one of the main things that I started on actually when I first started working at Riot was like, they just didn't have anyone to, like manage the art, like the outsourcing, they were outsourcing a lot of stuff. Oh. And hmm. so it's like making sure like the, do the contractors even have contracts or like, are they getting paid or you know how, like there was a lot of things that were just, you know, it was very like wild west. There was no structure in place. Cause you know, it, that, that didn't come until much, much later as the company matured. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so being able to provide like, okay, we need to like, have this thing tracked and there's like a process and like, what does that process look like? Actually building it as we were going um, was one of the main things that I was like helping. And those, again, that came from realizing and talking to people, what are you struggling with? What's the biggest problem you're having right now? You know, asking questions and like being curious about what are the ways in which, you know, this team is struggling so that you can help facilitate and support them and make their at the end of the day like make their lives easier so that they could actually like get the work that needs to get done done mm-hmm. um and i think that there's there's just like so many pieces that you become like the glue that has to kind of help hold things together and i i do remember at one point uh one of the we eventually did get more people like senior producer people in in into their into the pipeline so it was easier to have like at least people to help guide you yeah um but one of them asked me he's like okay well you know do you want to follow production or do you want to follow art because like you kind of have to at some point you're at a crossroads where you have to decide you know if you're going to go into production there's a certain path and if you don't then you know you need to kind of like figure that out and i actually ended up deciding that i really enjoyed being in that role Mm -hmm. and um and continued on that kind of like production path Mm -hmm. um so, so I think like that really helped m- me see like, okay, there's like a lot of different ways <laughs> to, to manage teams, right? Right. Like lots of different kinds of personalities. Um, and, and I think I did have some really good examples of like, here's what good leadership looks like. You get to learn a lot from other people's mistakes, right? Like here's, you know, I, I, I had, I had my own challenges towards the end of like my career at Riot that I'm not going to get into, but that like definitely kind of made me realize, okay, I've come, maybe I've outgrown this place. I need to go, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but, but all of the, like that whole experience, even though I have moments where it was like really negative, I also have like really positive moments as well. And so I feel like I was able to gain, you know, I just take, take the good, lessons you know and go like cool okay that that this the this thing that this person did it's a great lesson and good leadership this mistake that this person made that's something to remember to not do (laughs) you know (laughs) 
So, um, so I still see it as like a very valuable experience, even if it was, you know, at times difficult or, or challenging, um, just in the, in, for various different reasons. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I learned from, I think the very first manager I had though was, was very key in helping me like have that mindset of like, figure out where the problems help solve them and then figure out, okay, here's what I, and then like be able to repeat it. Because one of the other things was I was pregnant when I got hired at Riot. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't tell them that I was like six months pregnant when I started working there. So it was kind of like, Oh, I'm going to find out eventually. Um, and so luckily, luckily it wasn't doing it. They did find out and it was obvious. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, okay, cool. You need to hire your replacement. Um, because like, and that was, I think, one of my very first, like, milestones, I think, and kind of, like, learning. Uh, it, obviously, it was very scary because I didn't, I didn't feel like I had that support. But at the same time, it was like, okay, now define all these things that you've been doing over the last few months. Like, actually put together, like, a job description and, and be able to, like, look at what you're doing and then explain it to someone else and then kind of train this other person and, and what your job is yeah. while you're gone. Um, it was, it was a really, you know, I think it was a, a, a good learning moment for myself, even if it was like, holy shit, what am I, I going to do? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, so like the method with, with which it happened and like the language that they used to explain it to me wasn't the best, but, um, but it was very much like, uh, I think helpful to help me develop that skill of being like a self starter or like very, you know, self-directed, which, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I think is, is it, it, for, for the company at the time and the, the, the stage it was in, it was everyone kind of needed to have that mentality. So it, yeah. you know, it onboarded me onto that like train of thinking very, very early on, which I think helped me. Um, yeah. And then maybe you know, once it grew and had more structure, maybe, maybe it was like, there's less of that, but there's, you know, at the same time, probably a little bit more support. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> a trade off. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of got thrown into the deep end and kind yeah. of had to like figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you're talking about there, that kind of makes sense though, because, um, you know, you are a leader in a company, but one of the things that we're mixing into this conversation is a, a talk about leadership in general. Mm -hmm. And I hear this a lot, you know, in a, a company as I, I started about eight, uh, eight months ago, you know, a company much larger than anything that I had, um, been in before. And have found myself in more leadership oriented um, roles, I guess. But one of, that's one of the things that um, the company leaders talk about a lot is that they want that you know they're trying to cultivate leadership at every level. And part of I part of what that means, at least to me, is being able to deal with the unknown and to have the skills to look at something that is kind of messy and have a sense of how you can contribute to making it less messy. Um, for the benefit of yourself and and for others mainly. So I, that totally resonates um with the way that I've been thinking about leadership. You know that it it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have like a C before the rest of your title or that you are formally in a leadership role. You know you can bring that to any anything that you're doing. Yeah, and I think like one of the key things is like you don't have to know have all the answers. Mm -hmm. You know. Like leadership is also about recognizing when you don't have the answers and when someone else should lead. Mm. 
one of the things I'm hearing is it's this producer to this producer focused uh, take on leadership, right? Yeah. But I guess what I want to ask you about is that that transition from producer roles to you know putting a C in front of of your title because I think as a producer you sort of became discipline agnostic, but then you also as a result of that you become sort of pan discipline curious, and that includes things like HR and business and stuff that that a CEO has to worry about that a, pro- a producer in games might not be as naturally interested in. So mm-hmm. walk us through that transition. Once you sort of got your sea legs as a producer, when did you want to sort of take the, you know, just get your sea legs as a CEO? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen, it's the biggest <laughs> smirk on her face right now. I was happy with that one. <laughs> your sea legs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's interesting because I don't think it was necessarily something I sought out pretty much. I mean, it was something that kind of evolved kind of naturally, I'd say at the, at the team that I was, that I was working with, um, you know, it was, this is after Riot, I had, I had moved, to, you know, working on Indivisible as a producer, um, and, and, uh, just sort of like re- recognizing that there especially at, at the size that we were at, you know, we're under 20 people, full like staff, you know, and so much smaller team, um, obviously like multiple people have to wear different hats and, and just uh, recognizing that like, you know, when there are things that are like at a cultural level um, are, are out of, you know, out of order yeah. <laughs> in a way it affects, you know, it affects the rest of, of the project. And so um you know, learning to deal with things like HR and, um, and the payroll and, you know, overall, like, you know, budget and, and all of that. And I think e- e- even just within that team, like be- coming in and kind of just like figuring out there are even like inter interpersonal issues that you have to help solve. Um, I think a lot of it just kind of evolved, like I said, very naturally, um, you know, the, I was, I was asked to, to step into this role just due to the fact that there were, there were issues with, you know, the, the previous like person in that role. Yeah. So, um, which, you know, I'm not going to like get into necessarily all the details, but, um, but, you know, I think part of it is really just like uh-huh. recognizing that, um, <laughs> it's, it's, I think a lot of people, assume that it's like, oh, now I'm in charge and I can just do whatever I want because I'm the CEO or I, I make all the decisions about this. But really, it's it's about just like ha- being responsible for other people mm-hmm, yeah. um, and, and being responsible for, you know, um, ensuring, you know, ensuring that things are all set up so that like the company can run effectively so that the, 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 the team can be effective. You know, if there are things that are like out of out of order, you know, and, um, and, and breaking down, then like, there's only so much you can do, uh, (laughs) before it's like, like, it doesn't matter what your title is, if you're not like fulfilling your, your, your role. And like, to me, leadership is, is less about telling people, you know, what to do. And, and, you know, you, you are setting the example, basically, you, you are, the role model for the team on how to behave as a member of the studio mm. and how you communicate, how you talk to other people in meetings, how you show up to work, right? All of those things are, you're giving people examples of what, you know, and if, and, and, and I think people who 
are not doing a good job of that might meet, might look like, well, they just, you know, sometimes they're in a meeting, sometimes they're not, or like they show up late or, you know, they're just like, don't respond to things. Or, you know, I think those are things where it's like, if you want your team to behave a certain way, you have to be able to model that. And um, not to say I'm perfect. I'm sure there are times that I've fallen short and I didn't communicate something, but I think I'm very aware of that. Like that's, that's the responsibility that you take on as a leader is like, you have to lead by example. You, you can't, there can't be rules for everyone else and then rules for you because you have a C in your name. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or because you're the owner or whatever. It's like, you have to be the example of, and, and you have to, you know, I think even with like, creative leadership or, or, you know, you're talking about like vision and, and, you know, you don't necessarily have to tell people, here's what you need to do. It's more of like, you're setting the direction. You're saying, here's where we're going. This is the general, you know, this is what good looks like. Here's like the, the aspirational, you know, North star of where we want to be. And then like, I need all of us to contribute to getting us there. How can we do that best? You know, because you're not going to have all the best answers. You're just going to have your own perspective, which, you know, may based on experience or whatever, you might have a good perspective, but you're not going to, if you're not the one doing all the work, you can't also just know that. So part of it is like providing that direction and then asking the team, okay, cool. Who's with me? Like, how do we, how do we do that? And, And giving people delegating, okay, I need you to be responsible of this thing. I need you to... I don't know how we're going to do this, but you need to figure it out, right? And and trusting that the people that you're putting in roles to and you're delegating that responsibility to will come up with that answer and come up with a solution. Like you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to provide the direction and support uh, and make sure, you know, it's like focus purpose and motivation is like the main things that I feel like a leader really contributes on a team is like, you know, make sure that things are taken care of so that your team can just focus on what they're doing. If they're worried about someone being a jerk to them or not getting paid on time or, you know, other things, then they can't focus on their work. Right. Um, So it's like on me to kind of make sure like, okay, is, is everyone able to like do their do their job well? What are the conflicts? What can I help smooth over? What where is there breakdowns of communication? Um, and and like looking into that and, and and ensuring that there's a solution for it. And then you know providing like enough <laughs> enough of a like purpose is like okay we all have a shared goal. You know what is that goal? Is it clear to people what it is? Um, and, and, you know, and like the motivation is like, obviously like that aspirational, like here's where we want to get to, you know, and continuing to support people through that. I think it's like making games is really hard because so much of it is like, you know, you're, it's unpredictable, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, you can't know if something like until you test things. And so, um, you know, it's the same, you have to be able to feel comfortable with, unpredictability and uncomfortableness and kind of trusting that like, okay, you know, things aren't going to be perfect, but like, they don't need to be perfect. They just, you know, we'll, we'll kind of like make progress and, you know, do our best to, to get there without, you know, without killing ourselves. Like that's the goal for me. It's just like, I don't want my team to be like burnt out or, you know, uh, or to feel like, man, I'm doing all this work for what, for nothing, you know? And so I think that's even why, like, 
where we're at now with Future Club, you know, the fact that like we are all equal owners and everyone is equally invested and people recognize these are what our roles are. And, um, you know, and it's, it's, you're still managing a team, right? It doesn't, it, the fact that it's a co-op doesn't really like change, you know, the, the, for me, like the, the role as, as a leader, you know, um, if anything, like it's, it's important to have people who are designated as leads within the teams to know that like, cool, someone is thinking about this major decision. <laughs> um, because, you know, cause if everyone is trying to, to lead, you know, then like, it's, it's not really, it's not really going to work out. Um, yeah. well, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, 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 I'm glad, uh, the way, the way that you put it earlier, I think, uh, says it best, like leadership is about facilitating communication between one another. And I think it's, you know, even more so valuable in a co-op setting specifically because like every, we are all co-owners. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that you instilled that in me right away when I first started. I felt like I needed to report to you about things. And I do report to you about some things if I have an issue or something like that. But ultimately, like, some things he keeps to himself. No, <laughs> maybe a little. Not really. <laughs> I'm talking to my boss a little bit. Um, <laughs> but um, um, I think I, I, it's like it's really valuable to 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 make sure that you um, when you're in a leadership role, that you are the one taking charge of the thing that you're supposed to take charge of. And let other people who are supposed to take charge of other things take charge of other things. Like I'm handling the programming side of stuff. And if that is interfering with animation in some way, then we have a dialogue about that. Right. Mm-hmm. We have those dialogues all the time. Um, it's, it's the same kind of thing. And so, like, I, I definitely feel that while ha- while I've been working at Future Club, that like communication um, is easy. It's very easy compared to my previous jobs. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. that has been that has been. That has definitely felt good. <laughs> I, I was I, I, I do want to ask, though, specifically about like the differences in leadership between like a co-op and uh, other business. Mm-hmm. Like a more traditional hierarchical yeah. kind of structure. Yeah. We've talked on the show before about how an ownership structure and a management structure are not the same thing. Right. And how they're very frequently confused when it comes to co-ops. Mm-hmm. Um, but every co-op is different. Yes. Right. Yes, that is true. That is true. I've learned that more and more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, some, you know, some co-ops are are smaller too than like our team where right. where you know, if it's a handful of people, you know, like any decision that's an important decision, people can vote on, you know, whereas like I think our team is a little bit larger and um and and we might not need to have everyone or not everyone might want to even vote on every single thing that yeah. that, that needs to happen. So I think that's where it's like you know, we have a we have a structure in place where there are like trusted leaders who are who are elected by the team, you know, to be in those positions. And um, and, and there is a mechanism where if someone is, you know, like I actually really like that there's an accountability within our team to say, you know, if I'm if I'm not doing my job well, like uh, I can, you know, there there is a way for people to uh, hold me accountable. Right. Yeah. And to. Um, to say like this is a this is a role that is a privilege to be in, not a not a right mm-hmm. by default mm-hmm. because I'm an owner. I be, you know by default I then get to you know this is a privilege to be in this position to be entrusted with making major decisions on behalf of the people who have elected you into this role, right? Right. right. Um, so to me, it's like I think a lot of other studios, you know, when there is this structure where. 
um, you know, it is, it is not a cooperative where there's like a specific set of a few owners and then all the employees, right? Um, there is no really, there's no mechanism through which to um, hold those people accountable if they are doing harm to right. the company or to, or maybe not to the company in the terms of, you know, profits, but maybe in, in terms of like their employees or, or the team that they, you know, that they are hiring. Um, you know, that's why I think this is, it's a good method by which to provide a structure where, you know, we can minimize abuse of the employees and, and all these like horrible things that we've seen people talk about in games industry. Um, that, that is, that is something that like, I, I feel like having this type of structure um, provides an alternative, you know, so that people don't like if everyone, anyone ever has an issue with me, they don't feel like they can't raise it or that they, Oh, I have to like lose my job now because the, the CEO is a jerk. You know, it's like, yeah. there's a way to, to call it out and, and there's a process and there's, you know, a mechanism by which my voice can be heard and actually like, you know, uh, like legally, <laughs> you know, like listened to. Yeah. So, and and I think it's like, you know, it's we're still pretty early on. Future Club, we're coming up on our like third year now. In September, it'll be three years since we started the company, um, which is awesome. I mean, it, like, I, I definitely am. I'm happy that it's you know we've been able to like make it last this long, and I hope that it continues for a long time. Same here. Um, <laughs> but you know, like. It's, it's, I'm, I'm sure there, there are things that we haven't like encountered yet and yeah. that we might in the future, but at least the, the structure we have in place, I think is, well, the framework where, that we have for, you know, ensuring that the team is taken care of and is not abused and, and that there's transparency in regards to how we operate, what, you know, uh, financials, profit sharing, all these things, um, because it's like the 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 productivity of the team um you know at the end of the day like the ones doing all the work should be able to like reap the rewards right and so i think um a lot of you know i feel like our team has gone through a lot and i would like to get to the point where it's like cool we can put out a game we're making money and then the people who made the game actually get to like benefit the most yeah. <laughs> not like random executive that doesn't you know doesn't know what the day-to-day -day, like what it takes to make that profit right yeah um so so we'll see i mean i'm i i believe in in the structure that we have and um and i i hope to see like more co-ops you know start to pop up but um you know again i i i think it i think it'll hold up uh, like i said I, who knows what will happen in the future but so far it's it's been working really well and um and so i guess in terms of how it how it compares it's it's, it's really just about transparency uh, in communication and and like accountability is like a huge part of it you know it's really hard to hold an owner accountable um legally yeah right been a little while but uh um, that's why it's been a little while because ellen keeps doing that <laughs> no glom is out and it's available we've talked about this on the show before but it's a fun game that you can play we made it on the show 
the basic premise, the basic premise is that you draw from three decks yeah a phrase a rule and a goal yes phrase has a common phrase that you've heard a million times before mm-hmm. like like can i eat that exactly and the rule is some restriction on what a phrase could be like no ease yeah yeah and then the goal which says how many points if you do a certain thing like the most vowels or the shortest words or whatever mm-hmm. you need to rewrite that phrase following that rule to get the goal yeah it's a rare objective word game yes that you can play with your pals and it's both thinky and then also wild mm-hmm. very <laughs> which, funny which we've heard from uh, uh reviewers and commenters is a pretty rare combination mm-hmm. and so we're really proud of it um we've talked about it on the show before uh, but if you haven't heard us talk about it um ellen oh gla While she's doing that, Stephen, the URL? Yeah, nicegames.club slash glom. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Challenging. <laughs> it's challenging. I mean, I th- we talked about, I-, I think we say it every other podcast, but you already said it for us, Franny, which is making games is hard. You know, and yeah. I think one of the things that makes it hard is that, you know, kind of by definition, you're building something that hasn't been built before. Yeah. Even if you're working within a genre that's well established and you're working off of tropes that everyone is familiar with, you're still building something that didn't exist before. And so it's a creative endeavor. You're kind of forging through unknown territory. And oftentimes you're doing it with a team of people who hasn't necessarily worked together before. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's definitely a build the ship while you're trying to sail it kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and I think it takes, it takes, uh, well, it takes good leadership, um, to get, to get through those waters, um, without having people fall overboard, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's difficult to make the journey and create something complete and also prioritize the well being of the people who are doing the work. And, um, I think it's one of the big, one of the big challenges and topics discussed in, you know, and amongst leaders today is how do you how do you achieve that consistently you know yeah um so well the other the other factor is it's hard enough to make a game but it's also incredibly risky yes and so um from the top you have to decide like okay are we going to build on our past successes are we going to forge something new and there's creative risk and then there's financial risk. I mean, there's existential risk when all these things are added together. Yeah. And so as a CEO and also accountable to an employee base of co-owners, mm-hmm. how do you decide mm. to uh, on what to take a risk on? And how do you think about plan Bs? And when is it time to go all in? And I mean, it's it's that's it's, I guess it's an unanswerable question because everybody faces it. But how do you approach it? Uh, that's a good question. I I think 
Um, obviously, I, I think at this point now that I've been in games for a while, um, I've kind of developed, I've, de I've learned, you know, it's been hard to learn, but I've learned to listen to my gut um, a lot. <laughs> I think before I used to maybe ignore it, but I think listening to your gut on something is, 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 is really usually uh, a strong indicator of like, pay attention to this. And even if it doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm going to follow it all the time, it's, it helps me, it helps me decide. Um, I think in terms of choosing where to take risks and, and how to do things a lot of honestly, like I, I have a lot of trust with my team. Mm. Um, I, I obviously have my own thoughts and, and like I said, my, my own gut about things. Um, but I think like bringing it to, you know, the other leads or to other members of like our board about where, you know, where here's where we're going and here's what I think we should do. Um, I think being able to like bounce those ideas off of other people is, is really important and having like, you know, it, having the, the, I guess the strength to, to, to ask for help <laughs> when you, when you're not sure. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, like I said, I, I don't expect to have all the right answers. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best as, as much as anyone else. Um, and so I think it, it comes down to like being able to have that, that, that trusting relationship with people to, to provide them like you're as honest, you know, a perspective as you can. Like we've had conversations where I had to be like, Hey guys, like, I feel like we're going to have to do this really hard thing, you know, whether it's like pay cuts or whatever. Um, so that we can kind of get through this hurdle and here's how I think we can do it. It's, it's scary. You know, it's scary to even like put those things out there because you don't know if people are going to be like cool or, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to go get a regular job at somewhere else. And like, you know, there's always that possibility that, that people will disagree with you and, and not necessarily follow your lead on things but um but i think it's kind of just having that um <laughs> i guess it, to me it, it, it is a little bit of like the strength to kind of just stand in front of people and, and just be very honest and open about you know here's what we're facing and here's what i think we should do and what do you guys think um i think whenever i have had doubts or fears or you know feeling like there is a risk to take and hey, it affects all of us. So we all need to kind of be aware um, that I kind of like rely on, on the team to, to pr provide their perspective because, you know, we are a team and it isn't just me, you know, like, like, yes, I'm the, I'm the leader with the C in front of their title, but we're all in this together, you know? And um, so I think, yeah, I think trust is really important. Um, and, and, you know, the way you, you foster that, I guess, on a team is, is, um, just through a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of like repetitive moments where you kind of like, uh, ha have to, you have to just trust people. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how to explain it. You only get good at it by doing it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Reinforcing it, you know, that, that, like you said, right. repeating it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not just like to get a habit. It's actually to build the, the strength of the organization, right? Yeah. Right, right. 
That's that's really interesting, and I think underscores. It really feels like one of the most fundamental differences between the more like top down hierarchical approach to leadership versus kind of this more like I don't want to say bottom up really because I don't know if that's really the right way to describe it. But this kind of servant leadership that you're describing is that 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 trust is authentic and it comes through time and consistency and experience um, from you know the from the team having those moments with you as a leader. And then just just practicing that relationship and seeing you show up and do the work consistently and consistently listening, consistently, you know, take on different perspectives and reflect back what you're hearing and have it work out. I mean, that there's there's no shortcut to that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes organizations try to make a shortcut by saying, well, this person's title is this and therefore you have to listen to what they say. (laughs) You know, um, there's no shortcut to trust is basically. Like yeah, this yeah. distillation of that. Yeah, the opposite yeah. of that is like leadership by memo, right? Where you mm. just sort of say mm. what's going to happen. But if you're out there facilitating buy-in from the rest of the employee base, and then and you get that, then the next time you need to make a difficult decision, it's a little bit smoother, and people know, like, oh, I know that our boss is seeking our input and our and our support. But I'm actually don't have a strong opinion on this, so I'm going to just I will trust, and so that's a big part of it is not is actually making a more efficient operation. Even though you are giving everybody a little bit of say um, at some you know via whatever mechanisms you're using, the more you show that you're willing to um, to seek out that 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 buy-in, the the easier it is to get it in the future. Hmm. I think. Right. And, and, and when you, and when you do need to make a decision that is your decision, um, it's, you know, you don't have to put it, you know, to a vote all of the time because you get implicit trust over time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been a couple instances where, you know, even just like, uh, big decisions, um, where, you know, it, it kind of had to be my call. I still sought out people each team member's perspective yeah. to just understand the lay of the land mm-hmm. before you know ultimately making that call um and with the with the knowledge that it's like okay this might not not everyone might like this you know and i have to be willing to accept that if you know i think there's always a risk of like you know no one is married to this job, you know, it's not like a forever relationship. Like you, you, if, if you're just like, I don't like what this company has become, you can leave or anyone can leave. And so there's a, there's a little bit of like that fear on my end sometimes when it's like, here's, we got to do this, you know, of like knowing that like someone might walk away and, and still having, you know, the, the courage to be like, I think this, we should do this, you know, and, and here's why I think this is a good idea. And I think like providing, I think that's what I really like about working in this type of environment where there is so much transparency around what's going on. Why, why is, you know, why are we making these decisions? This is what we're signing on this deal. Here's all the, you know, here's all the details of it so that everyone is aware. Um, is that like, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it, I think it provides an, an insight that like, to me, it's like a CEO. It, it's, it's such a like, it can be so like a black box. And so providing more, here's what it is. And here's what I'm, I'm dealing with. 
um, it, it also like, I don't know, it helps me feel like at least, uh, you know, at least everyone is informed and understands the context of why this is happening. And then, you know, and if they disagree with it, that's they're totally within their right to do so. Um, and if I'm wrong, you know, they have a way to like remove me <laughs> if I'm, I'm not the right person to be in this role anymore, you know? And so um, I think, yeah, I think that's the, the, the biggest difference that I've seen. And, and I honestly, I think I, I prefer it because I think um, obviously like it, you can't, you can't have like a riot games, like thousands, thousands of people company um maybe this way or maybe you can i don't know i i wouldn't try it (laughs) (laughs) but but i think at the scope and the size that our team is at now you know we might grow a little bit more as well but i I feel like we at least have a a structure in place where you know um where like there is that that understanding from people of like you know uh that that these decisions are not kind of just being made arbitrarily like i take it really i take my role and responsibility for the other people on my team really seriously um and i like recognize that like you know it's it's a uh, it's a scary position to be in sometimes you know like yeah. <laughs> and, and it can be a little lonely as well you know and sometimes there are other there are other people that I seek out advice from who are in similar roles. I've been really lucky to join like a discord of other like women C-level executives within games. And, and I have access to resources for providing, you know, perspectives on that. Um, and, uh, and even just like other, other, you know, uh, other heads of like studios, right. Not, not just necessarily women, but, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of it I just kind of like learned as I as I've gone about it, and I've tried my best to have an idea of like this is the type of environment that I would like to provide and work in, and then showing up and like backing it up with how I interact with my team mm-hmm. every day to build it. Right. Yeah. Um, because like, it's really easy to be like, we want to be like this and this and this. But then if the people coming day to day are actually like living the opposite of that, it's kind of hard. I can, it goes back to kind of like be, being that example of like what your, your culture should be and what you want your culture to be. It's really easy to say, we are this, we're diverse, we're blah. And, but then at the end of the day, like you're not, you're not backing it up with yeah. action. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, it's like, that's what I, you know, I try to do <laughs> as best as I can. I don't know if I'm doing a really fantastic job or anything, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so. speaking from myself, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. I'm going to be gushing about you the whole dang show. So. <laughs> Get used to it. Not like, I'm not like fishing for it. Or anything, no. so and he's not putting on a thing for the, you know, for the public. No, no, I am not. We've heard from him before about how he, he enjoys your leadership style mm-hmm. and how it's something he's never experienced before. Really haven't. And uh, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It is very, it just feels very, I just feel like I have a lot of 
control in my life in ways that I did not experience before, just due to the fact that I, I feel supported um, due to your leadership, Franny. So I, I do very much genuinely appreciate it. And I guess I want to say Aww. this on the show. <laughs> hey. Can't take it back well, <laughs> Um, oh, I wanted to, before, before we, uh, end, I, you had brought up, we had a one-on-one the other day and you had brought up that you read somewhere that like, um, being a leader of a bunch of employees is a lot like being a parent to to kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) So I'm curious what, what that means. Yes. I, I, I definitely think that like. Uh, as I've had to raise my kids who are now like five years old, um, it's, it's, you know, I think it, it's very like, it's very much like my leadership skills help. Like, I don't know if they help me become a better parent or being a good parent helps me become a better leader. I think they're very interconnected. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it goes back, you know, it goes back to like that, that, um, that idea of like being an example and like modeling the, the, you know, what you're trying to, to do to, you know, like with my kids, it's like, I, I, I've, you know, I try to help them learn how to behave by, you know, modeling that behavior. And it can be really hard sometimes when yeah. they're driving you absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, cool. You know? yeah. uh, but it's like it, it and, and learning how to be an effective communicator like yeah. even just explaining what you need them to do in a very clear way so that they can follow where you're going um and and not like not judging them for you know for needing that support mm-hmm. um that i think there's a lot of similarities and um you know i think we should have more you know parents be leaders <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. maybe, you know i think I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I don't know if, if, if I told you, Stephen, but like, I, I, you know, I had a daughter previously who, who was, you know, uh, when I was pregnant at Riot, um, she unfortunately had a very serious genetic disease and, and she passed away when she was two. She was always in and out of the hospital. Um, and, you know, that was experience was my first experience being a parent. And it was, you know, uh, it was very shocking because it's like, it's not a typical you know, experience of like, you know, having to like, we were in the hospital from since she was two months old till, you know, she, she passed at 27 months. So it's like having that stress for that long yeah. um, and dealing with that and, you know, advocating for, for my kid at the hospital, with the doctors and the nurses and everything. It's like, um, it was not, it, it just wasn't the same as like, you know, taking care of a kid who is healthy and like who like two kids, right? have twins, right? So who are healthy and who are like putting things in their mouth and like, you know, and like going crazy. And so it's like challenging in a, in a different way. Yeah. Um, but with my kids now, <laughs> they are very, very, uh, you know, determined and uh, very active and sometimes stubborn. And so like helping them understand like, no, well, like you can't, climb on this furniture because you will hurt yourself you know i already had one of them already broke his feet oh well um so it's like some things you know he's gonna have to learn you know natural consequences learning how to properly communicate what you need from someone what you expect from someone and then 
developing that trust. You know, I think it's all very, very connected. And I think those skills overlap a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's helped me learn how to even regulate my own mm-hmm. feeling. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and sometimes recognizing like, okay, I, I am, I should not be like, I should not be here. I need a moment for myself. I'm, I need a timeout for me, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, I, I think when I was earlier on in my career, um, when I, when I would see something that I felt like was an injustice, you know, I was very vocal about like, no. And, you know, and I think those are things where it's like, I look back now and I'm like, I think I have a better handle on how to communicate those feelings in a way that, you know, helps people not focus on just the outburst, but yeah. it helps them see your perspective and your point of view. And so, I don't know, maybe it's just part of like maturing as well. And like, you know, getting older yeah. <laughs> in general. More experience. That's what, I mean, maturity comes from experience, but also reflecting on that experience and getting feedback on it. But I think what you've said totally makes sense. You know, it's a different audience. Like from what I understand, Future Club is not run by five-year-olds. No, no, right. not five years old. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, I mean, but game devs are children. <laughs> also true. <laughs> well, so it's a little. It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's the same skills. It's just applied in a different context. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. What it comes down to. Well, we find all the time when we talk to people who talk about di- multiple disciplines, mm-hmm. either they work in multiple disciplines or they interact with people of multiple disciplines that they're not familiar with. Yeah. It, people are always surprised to find how similar things are. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not always that things are exactly the same. It's that one lens can help you see the other thing yeah. in a new way. And so it doesn't matter how disparate the two things are. Mm-hmm. Viewing one through the other lens can be really, really useful mm-hmm. um, and very practical as well, yeah. more than you'd expect. So I think my last question on the list is, you know, distilling this conversation down to just maybe a point. What advice do you have for other leaders out there in the games industry? Hmm. You think? (laughs) 60 (laughs) seconds on the clock. (laughs) (laughs) Take take your time. Yeah. What advice would I have for other leaders? I would say don't underestimate the power of like listening Mm. more than you talk. (laughs) Hmm. Because... It's less about what you say and, and more about the space that you create for people to express themselves as well on your team. You know, um, there might be some really amazing ideas from people who you would least expect it. But if you didn't take the time to provide them the space or the or the uh, like the opportunity to express those ideas, then you're missing out, you know. Um, so like. It's, it's so important to, yes, provide direction and, and, and guidance and support, but, but sometimes just listening to people and what their, what their needs are um, and like be curious about, you know, about what your team cares about um, because there might be like a huge goldmine of things, you know, on your team. But if you don't take the time to acknowledge and listen and make space for that um you'll just you'll just lose out on it uh i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's something i try that's that's something that i try to to do like that that's something that i'm you know um conscious of and i wish i wish more leaders were aware of you know based on my my experience and not <laughs> it's not leader like when i worked at places where i was not the leader i wish the more people 
we're more conscious of that. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's so important. Like just making your team feel heard, um, can do so much for like your relationship, you know, and for the, the, the kind of like, um, productivity you know, yeah. on the team is like more, more so than like any, any other, you know, perks or whatever. It's like, if you feel heard, you'll, you'll be, you'll want to make more of a difference and to be, you know, more involved and, and to, to be there, you know, on the team. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's advice or more just like something good to keep in mind. <laughs> <laughs> the best advice probably is that second. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that makes sense. Absolutely. That's our show. For show notes and links on today's conversation, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on social media, blah, social media, at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts about game dev resources and the time it takes to make a scroll bar. It takes so long, you guys. So long. <laughs> <laughs> Reply on the various platforms or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Ad-free episodes! Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello using those cool little giffy guys. Next week, we'll be looking at cheating again. Again. But that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.